Blog Talk Radio. Jim Newsom, and this is Truth in the Word on Christian Survival Radio. It's the 15th day of November 2018, broadcasting today from North Central, West Virginia. Before we get into the Word of God, let's go to prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you today, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy, for your goodness. We ask you today to anoint your Word. Give us the revelation that's needed today. May we Take it to our hearts and our minds, and may we meditate on it, Lord, that it's your word. You said you keep us in perfect peace for your word. We ask you today that Jesus Christ be lifted up, that all men might be drawn unto him, knowing today that he is Lord, he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And no man comes unto the Father except it be through him. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, back to Revelation chapter 4 today, we uh, spun off there uh, concerning a vision, the heavenlies, or the, the vision of the throne of God. We went to Isaiah chapter 6, and we related his experience. So today we're going to go back to the to Revelation chapter 4 and John's vision of the throne of God. The Bible declares in Revelation, the apocalypse, the unveiling, the revelation of Jesus Christ, not of John, who God gave to Jesus, and Jesus gave it to his servant, John. Revelation 1.3, bless he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I want to read to you verse 19. Of chapter 1 and the Bible says write these things thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter at the end of chapter 3 the scene changes from earth up until verse uh, chapter 20 the church is never mentioned again until the marriage supper of the Lamb so we're going to go into Revelation chapter 4 today and into the Word of God, trying to rightly divide, gaining wisdom and knowledge. We know today that the Word of God was inspired by the Holy Ghost, that the Word of God is just not words written by man, but words written by the Holy Spirit. The entire Bible was written by the Holy Spirit. So it's an inspired book. It's not the thoughts and the ways of men. It's the thoughts and the ways of God. It's the word or the logos of God. So we have a change of scenery here in chapter 4, verse 1. 
After this, after the last letter to the church, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard, was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now he says, after the first voice, there's many voices going to speak to him in this experience. From here to chapter 19, we're going to have beings speaking to him concerning the future, the things which must be hereafter. Now we're going to talk today in respect to the view of the rapture. We spoke about this the, the other day, but I believe it uh, bears repeating. After the rapture of the church, many say this is, and I agree that this is a type of the rapture of the church. Controversy, and I believe the church needs to quit arguing, fighting over it, and preach Jesus Christ. And I know uh, there are points, and uh, there are things that are very pertinent, but the Bible says to rightly divide the word of truth, and we are to preach the gospel. He said, behold, a door was open. So this gives John a vision of the throne of God. And he said, come up hither, and I will show these things what's happened thereafter. Now, after the church age, after is meta, or a transference, or another sequence that's going to happen. That, remember he said, blessed are those who read this book and understand this prophecy, things which are going to happen, things that have not taken place. So after these things, meta or transference, Revelation 1.10 says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now this is Jesus Christ. This was the first voice that he heard. And we're going to find his preeminence especially starting in chapter 5 with the one who's the only one who's worthy to open the sealed scrolls. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, I've said this many times, that Jesus Christ will rule one day on this earth from Jerusalem. That, that, that's a given. That's, that's something that's going to happen. Now, there's a lot of things going to take place before that. But the end result will be him being Lord, king, priest over all the earth. The Bible declares that the governments of this world have become the government of Jesus Christ, God the Father and Jesus Christ, because of his preeminence, because of what he did at the cross. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. He has paid the price to redeem mankind. Men are faced every day with, with a decision. How do you treat Jesus Christ? That's what this book's about. Old and New Testament. Old concealed, new revealed. How do you perceive Jesus Christ? Is he just one of many good men? Is he just one of many teachers? Can you lump him in with everybody else of, of men down through the ages? That uh, A lot of them are good men, I'm sure, but they're not the Messiah. He is the Messiah. 
He is the one virgin born, sent to this earth on a mission, one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. The only one that can reconcile men back to God is Jesus Christ. The only one that can repair the breach between God and man is Jesus Christ. So this is what this book's about. What the Bible about. And we must put him at the top. Everything must fall underneath him in our studies. Let everything trickle down from him. Just as the oil flowed down from the head of Aaron down through his beard. Because he's the head of the church. Aaron was the high priest of the tribe of Levi. Was in charge of the worship and in charge of the priestly duties. But Jesus Christ is king and priest. And all things flow from him because he is the head. And will be. Because of what he did. Because of his passion. He's Lord. Okay? He's Lord. This world someday will be ruled completely by him. Okay. Revelation 119 says, Write these things which thou seen, the things which are, and the things which thou shalt be hereafter. I just read it. The things that will be hereafter. Now, the rapture of the church is the glorious event that's promised to the church. The Bible says we need to love his appearing. The church disappears from view with the close of the third chapter and pops up again in the 19th chapter, the, the Mary's Supper of the Lamb, where after which this is where God starts to deal with Israel again to bring back. We spoke about that yesterday, that Paul said Israel will be saved. They've been scattered May 14th, 1948, the Jewish nation was reborn. Again, they're the focal point even today in today's news. All nations hate them. All nations will come against them. They are the center of the earth, the center of the world, and a lot of people don't like that. But they're the apple of God's eye, which means the iris. So when you poke them, you're poking God in the eye. And he said, I will curse those that curse you and bless those that bless you. The bulk of this book deals with Old Testament types and symbols, which shows that God is dealing with Israel. I believe the tribulation period is called and is called Jacob's trouble. And as I said yesterday, the church is not Israel and Israel's not the church. We are grafted in. Okay. So the term rapture, we said this the other day, does not appear in the the word of God, but the word rapo, which is a Latin word, means to catch up, to snatch away. The word har, har, harposo, which means to catch up or snatch away. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul wrote, verse 13, I will not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those that are dead, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, listen, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also would sleep in Jesus, will God bring with the foundation of Christianity is death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that had not happened, then we would be men 
most, when I say men, I mean mankind, most miserable. The resurrection of, of, the Lord, of, of our Lord and Savior is a proof that there is life after death. But there's not this vast space out there, and we just go back to nothing. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. Because the breath of God breathed into every man the, a, a, a spirit, a, a soul, which will be in a constant state somewhere. The Bible teaches that and shows that. So because of the resurrection of Christ, the Bible declares that we someday will be in a glorified body. Now, we're justified by faith. By faith, we are sanctified, and by faith, we will be glorified. Justification now, sanctification, the progressive work that goes on every day in our lives, and the future glorification with the restitution of all things. First Corinthians chapter 15 teaches that the death, at death, the soul and the spirit of the child of God goes to be with the Lord, absent from the bodies, present with the Lord, while the physical body stays in the ground. And at the rapture, God will replace that with physical body, with the glorified body, united with the soul and the spirit. And those that are alive and remain will be caught up there also to be with the Lord. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of God, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which sleep. For the Lord himself shall descend, verse 16, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is Bible. In Acts 111, the angel of the Lord said, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you and to heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. With the voice of the archangel, the only one that's named a archangel in, in, in the word of God is Michael. We read about him in the book of Daniel and read about him in the book of Jude. And the criteria for being ready to be ready for this catching away is to be truly born again and accept Jesus Christ. In other words, how do you handle Jesus Christ? And you know, I, I, I don't think people realize the severity of the tribulation period. And <laughs> Jesus said, never has there been or will there be such a time. Now, Jesus said that. It, it's going to be a time, the Bible says, of great sorrow and pain and pressure. Because the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon this earth. Verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 4. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. Now, <clears throat> the promises that we have in the Word of God concerning Wrath, the tribulation period, is a time of God pouring out his wrath upon sin. 
Now, the wrath of God was poured out on his son, Jesus Christ, at the cross so that me and you are not appointed to wrath because we are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The character of God, the personality of God is he cannot tolerate sin. We read in this book, and also we read the other day in Isaiah chapter 6, that he's holy, holy, holy. He's a thrice holy God. So sin had to be addressed. God in his mercy and love and grace, mankind, he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but he gives us everlasting life through Jesus Christ. He addressed sin at the cross. This is man's problem. This is what separates men from God, is sin. Always, a three-letter word is our problem. All you see in the world today that's going wrong, the root is sin. Original sin, I believe, is pride, which that showed in Saint in Ezekiel 28, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 14. For I shall rise above the Most High. I shall set my throne above the Most High. Pride always comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. But in Christ, we're not pointing to wrath. Tribulation, yes. In this world, you have tribulation. But I don't believe great tribulation. A lot of people say that it's the easy way out, okay? Okay? And I don't I I just don't think people realize that if we go through the tribulation, how many that's gonna make how many Christians today is ready for great tribulation? A lot of us aren't ready for any tribulation. In this world he said you will have tribulation. Yes. Pressures, pressures, pressures. Trials, thinking not strange of the fiery trials. The Bible declares that the enemy will shoot fiery darts at us all the days of our lives until we are taken out of here. We are in a warfare. Ephesians chapter 6. You can't get away from that. So I'm, I'm going to give you some scriptures here of what Paul wrote about wrath. And you can decide in your own mind, are we appointed to wrath? Are we appointed to the wrath that's being put? If you've read the book of Revelation, it's not going to be a good time. It's basically the last three and one half years when the Antichrist completely embeds himself into this world system and sets himself up as God, to be worshipped as God, the Bible declares. The Bible declares that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Is the man himself here? I personally believe he is. I believe the times dictate that he's probably right now being groomed for his position. The Bible declares he's the son of perdition, which means the son of destruction. Only one other man in the Bible is called that, and that's Judas. What's his weapon? Deceitfulness. Deceitfulness. Take heed that no man deceive you. Strong delusion will accompany him. Many will believe a lie and be damned. Many will believe that he is the Christ, the false prophet, Revelation chapter 13, will point 
and lift up this man as this image is being built in the temple of God. That's the, what Daniel refers to as the, abom- the abomination of desolation. The equal of pig's blood or swine's blood being put upon the altar. So Romans 5, 9 talks about wrath. Paul wrote, much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. <clears throat> From wrath, <clears throat> pardon me, God's, <clears throat> excuse me, God's judgment on sin. But much more than being now justified <clears throat> by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Point out a man wants to die and then the judgment. Every man's going to be judged. There's two judgments. The beam of seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and the white throne. I'll say many times the one, the latter you don't want to be at. It doesn't end well. You want to be at the first one, the beam of seat. So according to what Paul wrote, if we're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, then we're saved from wrath. First Thessalonians 1 10 says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Where's he at now? Sits at the right hand of the Father. Set by my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Even Jesus was delivered us from the wrath to come. Future wrath going to be poured out. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the Bible, if you're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have salvation through Christ. You've accepted him. He's Lord of your life. You believe upon him. We're delivered from the wrath to come. We're not subject to the wrath to come. We're not appointed to wrath, but we are to obtain salvation, saved from wrath. And once again, I've got to make a point here that I don't think people realize I believe it's glazed over the the tremendous impact of the tribulation period. Because if you live on this people planet, there are pressures now in our lives that some days you think, man, how long, Lord? What? Why? Why? Why does this come and that come? Why is so much pressure in my life? Bible says, as you see the day approach, look up for your redemption draws nigh. The Bible declares, in the last days shall be peerless times, fierce times, when it's going to be hard to be a Christian. We're still in flesh. As spiritual as we like to come off sometimes, we're still in flesh. Revelation 4.2. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one set on the throne. How many set on the throne? One. The throne is the center of the activities of, of this book from here on out. It's mentioned forty times in this in the book of the book of Revelation, and it's always means a literal seat. Now we spoke yesterday about Isaiah chapter six, Ezekiel chapter one. You can read it, Ezekiel chapter 10. Read it about the throne room. Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 4, I knew a man 
who above 14 years, whether in the body, I cannot tell, whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, such as one caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I can a God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul could not speak these things, but John was told to write them down. So we see a throne. And he said, I was in the spirit. It's very important. Very important. Corruptible flesh cannot enter into the presence of God. That's why we're going to be given a glorified body. Because our bodies were conceived in sin. Our bodies are part of a fallen nature. That's why we get old. That's why we die. That's why we get sick. It's coming a restoration, the restitution of all things, the glorification of us through Jesus Christ, who was glorified first, the first fruits of the resurrection. Verse 3. And he that set was to look upon like a jasper, like a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. We see these beautiful jewels. We see this rainbow, which rainbow is the sign of covenant. Now, this rainbow here was not half, as we see. That goes from one point to another point in a, in a half. This is the total circle, the complete covenant being denoted. Ezekiel 1, I, w- I want to read to you verses 26 through 28, Ezekiel's vision of the throne. And above the firmament, this is above the atmosphere, was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire. Stone up likeness of the throne was likeness of the appearance of a man above it, the man Christ Jesus. And I saw as the collar of amber, as the appearance of fire round about him, and the appearance of, of his loins even upward, from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw it were the appearance of fire and had brightness round about the light of God. As the appearance of the bow or the rainbow, same thing John saw was in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of brightness round about. This was the appearance of the lights of the glory of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital B, Jehovah, self-existent one. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice that spake. This is the, this is the division of the prophet Ezekiel. Now, rainbow. Rainbow. What's it mean to a child of God? I was always taught. I see a rainbow when I was young, and they and my grandparents tell me this was the promise that God would never again destroy the entirety of the earth by water. They said he's bow. Genesis nine thirteen through seventeen. I, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. I'll remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and the ever-living creature of all flesh that's on the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that's on the earth. 
Now, every, everything that God uses, the devil perverts, and of course the bow is being perverted today. Now, the bow we see here is, that we look upon it is semicircular, but the bow around the throne of God is a complete circle, which, which indicates a complete covenant based upon the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the covenant that we live under. Listen, everything's about him. That's, that's, we're, we're coming from the perspective that everything is about him. That all power and all dominion has been given, that all principalities and powers he has defeated. The bow around God's throne the promise to restore vitality to the earth after its renovation, which is coming. Now, the Bible just says the next time the earth is renovated, it's going to be by fire, and the elements shall melt, Peter said, with a fervent heat. Revelation 4 4. Around about the throne were four and twenty seats. On the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they on their heads crowns of gold. 24 seats, 24 elders in white raiment. Those that have been saved, sanctified, set apart, atoned for. These, these, these are the signs of the work of God as, as uh, pointed to man. They return... Uh, Pertain to believers, prophets, apostles, the redeemed of the Lord. And they're clothed in white raiment, which doesn't signify their righteousness, but it signifies the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And they had on their head crowns of gold, which signifies authority. Remember, we are all kings and priests, the Bible declares. For those that receive the gospel are given the power to become the sons of God. For we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance that totally hasn't been realized yet. In Matthew nineteen twenty-eight, and Jesus said, And verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, he also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He's talking to the Jews, to his apostles. But he says, those that follow me in the regeneration or the covenant, the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. In other words, those that accept Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.21 says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down my father in his throne. Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they did set upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. And for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark on the foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, something in this scripture right here, it says that they were beheaded, those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. This is during the tribulation period. 
So I would say those that are going through the tribulation period, and if we go through the tribulation period, then our life will have to be given. That's a sobering thought, especially in America. Because Americans, for the most part, I'm one of them are whining, just saying. Are we ready for such a hmm, such an apocalypse, I guess? For the witness of Jesus, for the word of God. And they had not worshipped the beast. Neither had they received his mark, neither his image. Talks about the millennial, the thousand-year reign. Your walk with Jesus Christ will cost you something. You can't, you, you can't get away with that. But I see those that come through the tribulation and sitting on thrones, which is indicated by the elders here, all of mankind, those that have been regenerated. This is the representative of all that's been saved and accepted Jesus Christ. But the Bible says they were beheaded for the witness of, of Jesus. Think about that today. Think about that. Revelation 12, and they loved not their lives unto the death, for they overcame the accuser of the brethren, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. First Peter 5, 2 and 4, feed the flock of God, which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but wittingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being Lord over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Well, these elders have crowns. The criteria, what's the criteria for the crown of glory? Well, to feed the flock of God. Not for filthy lucre. Be of a ready mind. Be instant in season and out In other words, be completely submitted to God. Completely, completely to the disposal of God. Listen, neither as being lords over God's heritage. What was the doctrine that Jesus hated? The doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The clergy over the laity. The clergy up here and the laity down here. There's even ground at the cross. No big eyes or little use. But being examples to the flock, not being lord over them. Hello? Not with legalism and threatening them with hell every day if you don't do this or do that. And, and uh, use, use uh, uh, this, this doctrine to persuade people and make people feel guilty. That's not of God. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that faith not away. 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me only, but also to them also that love his appearing. Daniel saw thrones, unoccupied, waiting for judgment. Daniel 7, verses 9 through 10. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did set, whose garment as white as snow and hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame as his wheels burning in a fire. This is Ezekiel chapter 1. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before, before him. And the judgment was set, and the books were opened. 
So the elders were crowned because why? Because they passed the fiery test. Think it not strange of the fiery trial. All Christians are going to have this. We're going to have tribulation. Yes, 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 yes. In this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But the Bible says there's a great tribulation coming. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema seat, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. Revelation 4, 5. And out of the throne proceed lightnings and thunderings and voices. There were seven lamps of the fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Seven is the complete number, denoting perfection. The totality of the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits of God. We go to Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2, and there came forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, and the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, Spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's the seventh spirit before God. God's perfect number, seven. Verse six. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. That word beast means living creatures. Does it mean beast per se? It means living creatures. Now, we see in Revelation 15, verse 2, that the sea later is going to be occupied. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them had, that had gotten the victory over the beast. This is during the tribulation, the great tribulation, and over his image, and over his mark. I've that before, the threefold uh, requirements of this beast. And over the number of his name, which is 666, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. To he that endures to the end, the Bible says, shall be overcomers. Revelation 15, 3. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God. Now, go back and read the song of Moses. What he sang after God delivered the children of who Israel. The song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. The heavenly tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle is patterned after the heavenly tabernacle. <clears throat> that which is in heaven was brought forth on earth. God gave the instructions to build the tabernacle. Verse 7. And the first beast was like a lion with the first living creature. <clears throat> the second beast like a calf. Third beast is the face of a man, and the fourth beast of a flying eagle. Living creatures, the beast. The lion. Okay, from a Jewish perspective, 
The lion is the camp of Judah, which at the time of the tabernacle, they were camped to the east. The tabernacle was the center, and the tribes of Judah were spaced around the tabernacle. In the camp of Judah were three tribes, Judah, Iskakar, those that knew what to do, those that had strong discernment, and Zebulon. But their insignia or their uh, ensign was the lion. The ox was the camp of Ephraim, were three tribes, Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, to the west. The man was the camp of Reuben, with three tribes, Reuben, Gad, Simeon, to the south. Remember, Reuben was the one who Jacob said would not receive the inheritance, or the first fruits of the inheritance because of what he did, his, uh, that he committed with Jacob's concubine. And they were camped to the south. And the eagle, the camp of Dan, with three tribes, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali, to the north. And the tabernacle in the center. The representative, see, the lion, camp of Judah, the ox, the camp of Ephraim, the man, camp of Reuben, the eagle, camp of Dan. And also the representative of who Christ is. And the four beasts, verse 8, had each of them six wings about them. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and which is, and which is to come. We studied this in Isaiah chapter 6 yesterday, a vision of of God Almighty, or Jesus Christ, being high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The seraphims, the burning ones, flying around, covering their feet, covering their eyes, and with two wings they did fly, crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Verse 9. And when these beasts, or living creatures, give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and forever. Worship. Worship was going on in the throne room. Elevation. He said, when I am lifted up, all men shall be drawn unto me. Verse 10. Four and the twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that giveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. They cast their crowns before the throne of God. They acknowledge the sovereignty of God Almighty, which had not been for him, none of us would be redeemed. There would be no crowns, except Jesus Christ had not finished the work at the cross over 2,000 years ago. So let's go here for a second and talk about some of the crowns that the Bible talks about. First of all is the incorruptible crown or the victor's crown. This is this is talked about in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. And every man that strives for mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, Paul said, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. 
But I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself shall be a castaway. The victor's crown, those that battle, the incorruptible crown. And the only way that we escape with incorruption is through Jesus Christ. For corruption shall put on incorruption. The second crown is the crown of life or the martyr's crown. This is talked about in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. The next crown is the crown of glory, or the elder's crown, the 24 elders. First Peter 5, 2 through 4. Listen, I read this before, and we'll read it again. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not by not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not. Next crown. Remember, these all provided by the work of Jesus Christ. Not, nothing we do. Our righteousness, but filthy rags. The crown of righteousness, or for those that love his appearing. 2 Timothy 4.8, henceforth laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also to them that also love his appearing. The crown of rejoicing, or the soul winner's crown. For all the angels rejoice in heaven, one soul comes unto God. First Thessalonians 2, verses 18 through 20, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. Verse 11, Revelation 4, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The whole duty of man, the Bible says, is to worship and to praise God. This is God's desire that we have communion with him. Once again, we've preached today Jesus Christ, glorified. John, seeing the throne room of God. These are the things that happen hereafter. Now things are going to start to progress as we get into chapter 5. And pray that God's word is revealed and uh, God deals with hearts and minds accordingly. Because his word will not come back void, but do that which is sent to do. If you don't know Jesus Christ... Believe that God Almighty raised him from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me and you. By his stripes, you're healed. If you call upon his name, you shall be delivered. He was chastised for your peace of mind. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Lord, whoever hear this word today, Lord, you said if we read this word, we're blessed. You said if we read this book, we're blessed. And bless us accordingly today. Give us revelation continually, Lord, continually, progressive revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that we might embrace him as King of kings, a Lord of lords, that there's none other above him, and no other name under heaven can a man be saved, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes under the Father except it be through him. He's the way and the only way. Give us that revelation today, Lord, and touch the people today. Every situation, every circumstance, every chronic illness, lay your precious hand upon them to heal them in the name of Jesus. 
Bring people out of hard spots. Let them glorify you. Out of hard places, let them glorify you. Give us strength today to walk and order our footsteps for that which is coming upon this earth, Father. You said, think it not strange of the fiery trial. We should not think it strange of what's going on around and about us. Lord, you said your creation will convulse and go into labor pains and travail for what's coming on the face of the earth. We're not living in normal times. We're living in different times. Let's let's embrace that today, Father. And let's act accordingly. You said to look up for our redemption draws nigh. You see these things come to pass. You said gather together and preach the word and, and, and be united in one mind, one accord. The three-stranded cord cannot be broken. Unless, unless two agree, how can they walk together? God, bring the division out of the body of Christ. Jesus, you be the head of the church. Let man's precepts and men's doctrines fall to the ground, and may you be lifted up that all men might be drawn into you. In Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray, amen and amen. God bless till next time. This has been Truth in the Word with Pastor Jim Newsom on Christian Survival Radio. Our email address is truthintheword777 at gmail.com. May God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking up, for Jesus is coming soon.